0: Welcome again to a frequent podcast called Wear Many Hats, inspired by Ethan Hawkey. Throughout the year, I, David Punter, the Business Development Director for Hawkey Cleaning and Support Services, shall be interviewing prominent facilities management and procurement subject matter experts across a range of industry sectors. It is these people with their wealth of knowledge and experience that will inspire the next generation of young professionals. Our objective is to share our guest stories and experiences to help motivate, engage, and inspire others into the industry. Through Wear Many Hats, we hope our listeners will gain new perspectives, insights, and learn about strategies to develop their careers in the facilities management procurement business. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Christopher Wade. And you're from Burlington Estates. Thank you, Christopher, for joining us. So um, without further ado, I'd like to launch into some of my questions that I have for you today. Um, Christopher, so I just wanted to get a little bit of an understanding of what was your personal journey uh, of how you entered into the facilities management world?
1: Well, I started initially back in the 60s.
0: Okay. Um. (laughs) In your hippie days. Yeah, yeah.
1: I actually started front of house. So I started as a concierge. Okay. For a development near Canary Wharf for Ballymore Properties Limited. Okay. And within a year, I applied for a job with Rendell & Rittner as a head concierge. And then within eight months, I was um, successful um, at the next phase of interview with Barclay Homes as an estate manager.
0: Okay, so you were originally in very front of house roles, yeah. um, people focused and stuff, and then took mm. a little bit more of a behind the scenes. Yeah, so
1: I actually started my career before uh, facilities management, estate management um, in aviation. I was a senior flight attendant for Virgin Atlantic, and I flew with them for five years. Okay, so you have your wings. Yeah, <laughs> And when it was time to um, hang up my ice tongs, I decided it was best to try and transfer my skill to something that I could develop through. And I knew that property management, development, um, and the world of FM was something that I could transfer some of my skill set that I'd already acquired at Virgin. So, you know, being uh, resilient, turning situations around on board an aircraft, very very quickly to try mm-hmm. and resolve issues um, and then you know from a first aid perspective some of the people skills would be transferable
0: and so it was a really good match actually okay so just a little bit on that on the virgin um atlantic and so what was that role you were doing there
1: so as a as a senior flight attendant i was responsible for the upper class cabin okay I say responsible. So we're in for. good hands. <laughs> um, I say responsible for. There is a something called a CSS, a cabin service supervisor, that has the ultimate control of that cabin. Okay. But the uh, senior team members only work in that cabin, so they look after all of those sort of high-level um, clientele. Okay. Um, as an as an example, a return ticket back then. Um, to Los Angeles was ten thousand pounds. Right in upper class. So that, I mean, you ha- you you were pretty special if you are up there, and, and it was a.
0: And this was dip- in the nineteen fifties. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, think Virgin were around <laughs> there. Actually, even I know that. I, th- yeah. I
1: think I think it was just when the seven four seven probably oh, okay. had its test flight. Yeah. No, I I started flying in two thousand and three. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so then after that, you went to Rennel and Ritner, Is that right? yeah okay
1: my, so my no my first job was with Ballymore, oh, for, Ballymore for one sorry. year and then I started with uh literally a year after I think to the month and it was a really it was a really interesting transition from what I'd seen because Ballymore as a company and I'm I have some interests there so I'm not gonna um I won't say anything too bad Lovely but they, company. fantastic fantastic freeholder they 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 did things their own way, because by the time I got to Ballymore in 2008, I think it was, they were, you know, they would already huge. They'd redeveloped most of the Isle of Dogs, which is where I'm from, and um, lots of lots of East London, actually. So by the time I got there, um, they were pretty established, and they did things the way they wanted to. And it wasn't until I you know, got my job with r and r and started working with real process okay um looking at things from you know from a from a health and safety perspective that I realized actually the practices back then which I'm pretty sure Ballymore would probably hold their hands up to to some degree were poor okay. um and i know I know over the years there's been a huge investment in that particular company from a health and safety perspective to up those standards but that
0: transition was, was eye-opening. So you really cut your teeth in um, Renal and ritner which was a bulk part of your career. Is that right? Yeah, that's fair okay. to
1: say. Yeah, I spent just under eight years at, at r Okay.
0: And I left and came back. Okay. And after you left and came back, where, where, where did you move um, then? So I spent
1: a very short time... Um, I never, I never, I've never taken it off my CV cause I, I think it's right to be open and honest. And, um, it's, it's a British landmark that I'm still, even though I was there for a short time, proud of. I spent some time with Battersea Power Station, okay, which was before the days of the, of Savills and whoever else has managed it in the last few years. It was when it was, um, Batsy Power Station Development Company. So I worked for, okay. them, for them directly as their phase manager. And I was managing at the time phase one, which is Circus West. I know phase two is the actual yep. power station. And I, 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 think I was there for just under six months. This um, wasn't right for you. Um, it was a very, it was a very different environment. I, it wasn't right for either of either party, if I'm honest, because my head worked in process. And at this point, I was already an associate of the Institute of Residential Property Managers. I had been at this point, I think, for seven or eight years. And Battersea Power Station Development Company uh, was not a managing agent, but were trying to form one or working out whether they wanted to be one or or to or to farm it out, which they eventually did to Savills. Okay. So that it was a very distasteful, rocky time, and I was. Sort of at the forefront of that, trying to manage a lot of different parties, which is part of the job of FM generally and okay
0: management. I think it's fair to say is that uh, with 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 anyone in in careers, sometimes we make choices that we need to take some time and then uh, reflect on whether that was the right choice 100%. or not. I mean, this this is not a job interview, Christopher. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you don't have to worry. About well, that, I'm applying but... <laughs> if there is one. But um, I, I just think that um, so after that stage, uh, I, I think I understand. what you're saying is that there, there was, you know, you are dealing with a developing situation uh, of a developer and stuff that that wasn't quite there, and the systems weren't in place, and there was, yeah. and, and there was uh, there was quite a lot of pull in the wrong direction rather than the right direction, yeah, and probably another so opportunity came up.
1: Well, actually, I no, I left and took six months off of work. Okay, I've, I'd never had. I've been working since before I was legally allowed because I left home really young. I left home when I was
0: 15 years old. We're not going to have a chimney sweep story (laughs) here, are we?
1: (laughs) Worse. So, um... I, I'd never, I'd never actually had a break. So my, my friends all went to university, or mm-hmm. well, not all of them, but some that went to university and had, you know, year off here and spent, you know, bumming around wherever. And I didn't have. I was of one that. of them, I think. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have any of that. So <laughs> I decided after Battersea Power Station, verging possibly on a nervous breakdown, um, that I would take some time off, and I did. I spent, um, I spent a month in North America. Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Canada. I went up to Vancouver for a while. Spent some time in Europe, and then after about four months, and my cash started to run out, and um, I couldn't just rely on my lodger's money. I decided to come back to work.
0: Okay, um, and uh, I mean, how did when you you went back into the FM role? Yeah, um, straight back and, and, and head first, and and that was with who Canary Wolf Group. Okay, and yeah. how did you explain your six months in the wilderness? So my good colleague that I'd worked
1: with at Rendell and Ritner, uh, Joe Watson. She's, okay, she's a incredible brain in in the property management world. I think she's forgotten more than most people are ever going to learn. She um, she was heading up. Canary Wharf Residential Management Limited. So Canary Wharf Group, one of its subsidiaries was a management company that that they had formed, a bit like Ballymore, Mm -hmm. the way that they work, to manage the properties that they had developed. Okay. And I was part of the team that was setting up Canary Wharf Residential Management Limited. Okay. Employed by Canary Wharf Group, actually. And it was, yeah, I'd say say a good experience. It's good to work with someone that I was close to. And, was, good, pro- still and good, close to. good properties as well to deal beautiful. with. Beautiful. Mm. I mean, I'd work with a Barclay group for most of my tenure at Rendell & Rittner. Okay. And Barclay's product is excellent. It's mm. an excellent product. You can generally tell as soon as you've come onto a site that it's Barclay's for the, you know, the, mode, the Netherlands to create such a beautiful... Landscape on their on their estates. Well, Canary Wharf had something similar, I suppose, in the way that you, as soon as you walked into a building, you knew it was a Canary Wharf residential building because it looked exactly like one Canada Square, which is the Mm. big Canary Wharf Tower, the first one that was built on on the on that island. And if you go into a, a resi property that that is owned and managed by Canary Wharf. You, it looks like walking into one Canada Square. The walls are marble, your teeth are marble, the floor is marble. Everything is is you know as it would be if you were if you And And there's that
0: those residential blocks obviously have a concierge level of service. Oh, so which, much, much where more you than that. sort of cut your teeth you, earlier you, on you in got, your career?
1: Yeah, you. I mean, that was my background anyway. Yeah. That um, I mean, River Light... Which is a St James property, um, Stanmore Place, a St a, a, um, St Edward property. We had staffing structures and and salaries of like five hundred grand, huge huge mm. staffing costs, and yeah, Canary Wharf is is was that probably on steroids, if I'm honest, because yeah. they also have um, a huge security offering. And actually, the security offering in One Canada Square that manages all of Canary Wharf's estate, yeah. they just basically picked that up and mirrored that at South Bank Place, which is one of the first sites that I was part of the part of the development team for. So. Okay,
0: I know. Um, yeah, incredible So fast experience. forward, mm.
1: <clears throat>
0: after that, the Canary Wharf uh, residential management, yep. you then went to? Knight Frank. Night, Frank. Yeah, for a period of time, two years. Two years. Yeah. Lessons learned. Um, I I loved that job. I loved I loved
1: that job. Great people, beautiful site that I was uh, responsible for. Um, I think I know right. I think the from my experience and from. Um, from the people that I've employed over the years and the people that I've worked with, there is a core group of FM slash EM uh, estate managers slash FM managers that are, are shuffled around right. every few years. to In fix, London? To fix crap, you know, to turn stuff around, to... Um, Seems to be the case. Yeah, to up, to up. Up the standards to um, you know to to retain a client and particularly on the trophy sites. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So I, so I was and I was a big part of that for Barclay Group anyway. Mm. Two, three of their flagship sites.
0: Where were those sites?
1: So Saint, Saint Edward was Stanmore Place. So that was the first okay. Saint Edward site. They've got one on they've got one in Knightsbridge. Um, another site in Knightsbridge, and then. Uh, Riverlight was the first joint venture between Saint James St. William and Thames Water. Okay. Um a Rogers Harbour and Stirk um development. Beautiful, beautiful. But I don't know if you remember seeing the Pompidou in Paris yes. with the with all the external Glass. yeah. So it was the same the same architects. Um and so that that was sort of my, I suppose, the blueprint for what I was going to do to do, do um, and to continue to do and um, I don't I don't feel like I've, I've stopped I mean Burlington estates
0: so now present day at the Burlington yeah. estates um fast forward um yeah. you've been there since um November um well actually
1: I've been there last, since March uh, okay. of last year but in November um so eight months similar to my Rendell and written story okay so eight months after I was promoted to director. So from I was head of operations.
0: Okay. So you've been promoted whilst in there? Yeah. That's good. Great. So what is it you like about your FM role?
1: Um <clears throat> that's a that's an interesting question because it's I don't wake up in the morning and go, Oh, FM.
0: <laughs> it <does. laughs> well, it could be it's fabulous not, me or something like yeah. that.
1: Uh, I think, I mean, getting getting jobs done. Do you know what I like? I prefer, through pr- my role, the people management side of it, actually. The FM side is very, very important because it ensures that things are functioning as they should, that people are safe, um, and that you know your, your product is able to still stand the test of time and sell when you need it to, and I get all of that. but
0: Kind of a given, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: But my passion in this industry is 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 the people, and it really it really is. At R and R, I was one of a small group that were empo- employed by the company, but managed with this particular project project by investor in people. Right. So I was an investor. I was an internal investor in people assessor, which meant that we had to get to gold, which we did within a year, and retain the gold. And that meant continual assessment of managers to ensure that they're getting jobs done through their people so that their people learn, develop and progress.
0: And are you looking now with um, Bellaton Estates, as part of what you like about it, are you looking to do the same?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Without – I mean, every, you can talk about customers all day long, but if you don't have staff to look after them that are invested in that, that – feel part of something you you don't you won't have the customers anyway indeed
0: yeah so which skills um do you think are required to do your job now so
1: i don't need you to come to me with bags of qualifications because i can teach you that or put you on the right track to ensure that you can learn develop and progress and that that's what management is all about for me i need i need the right attitude and i think in this industry the attitude is can do will do yesterday because, okay you know the, this this constant uh, need to be in the front especially with um an industry that's ever
0: evolving ever changing um, you have to be, you have to be on the front foot. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because um, Hawkey Cleaning Support Services have a sort of our mantra is hire for attitude, train for skills. Um, being that you know skills are almost a given, we can train them. Um, if the attitude is not right for that uh, particular candidate, mm. we cannot train that. Yeah. It's got to be there.
1: Well, I completely agree. And people that are listening wouldn't have seen my face light up when you when you said that because it's actually. Um, His face my, lit up by uh,
0: for the listeners.
1: <laughs> it's my parent company. Um, it's my parent company's. It's one of their. Um, it's their ethos. Yeah, you 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 can't. You can train anyone that comes with the right attitude, right? Correct. And the right attitude being that you know someone that actually wants to wants to do well, wants to apply themselves, has a a good sense of, of people understanding people, we get, we're get we not, I don't, that, that attitude you can't train, I can give you all the tools, learning, development to do your job, I
0: can't give you the right attitude. You're absolutely right and I think that enthusiasm as well, um, you know the spark in the eye and things like that uh, uh, is something that uh, we also look out for in talent spotting individuals and, and things so it's refreshing to hear that. So Christopher, um, just going into a little bit delving a little bit into your, what is a typical, what does a typical day look like for you? Oh, God. You can say a prayer beforehand, (laughs) of course.
1: (laughs) There's a few prayers going on. (laughs) Um, I'll be completely honest on this podcast and say that I could be so much more organized. I have um, invested some cash in a really good tool to organize myself better Okay. And haven't, Interesting. Haven't <laughs> haven't even registered it yet after oh, okay. two weeks. <clears throat> um So, well, it's a time management tool. It's uh, it's it's all encompassing so it, it's, You put everything into it, and it tells you how to. Bit it. like Outlook, then really. A little bit like Outlook. It is. We I'm, a, we're I'm joking Google, with you. We're a Google company, so I, I okay. I'm not allowed to use Outlook. Um, so a, a regular
0: day, a typical would, day.
1: Yeah. yeah, a typical day would be. I always start every day with a morning meeting with my team.
0: Okay. Every single day of the week? Every single day. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, The only time I don't do one is if I'm not there. Um, It usually starts at 9 o'clock. It sometimes is a little bit later than that. But it is – I go around the room. I want to see what you've got on your planner for the day. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm great about looking at other people's organizational skills. It's not mine, right? (laughs) So I go around the room and I ask each individual, right? Give me one task that you are going to smash by two o'clock. One task, and I don't want to hear. I've got window cleaners coming. <laughs> I've got to send a note to all <laughs> residents on dwelling. You can poke that one. Um, so I have that that bit of interaction. What normally happens then is as a group, because. So, so this is
0: office based. This, this is in is, the you're office. Not on a Zoom yeah. or no, this
1: like is all, we're we're an operational company. We're we're in the office. We're okay. in the office, on, or we're out on site. And um, <clears throat> what it does is we've got a really diverse group of people. Some that have been in the business forever, and some of them just starting out. And mm-hmm. together, that sort of melting pot of of um, support, learning, development. Sometimes it probably can be frustrating for us older ones and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's probably frustrating for the younger ones but together we we get on really really well and and by it's not i'm not calling people out i'm giving them an opportunity to give us something that they're gonna smash at two o'clock So i'll be coming and asking them at two o'clock but also an opportunity if there's something that they're not quite sure about or there's a bit of legislation that, 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 that you know that's that stifled them it's an opportunity for everyone then to say right okay this happened to me on my site and this is how i dealt with it so it really gets the conversation going and it brings the team together because how big's the team um
0: 25 okay so you've got to take almost morning to go through it i usually waffle on for about half an hour
1: (laughs) um no i mean it depends it depends on the you know, it's, it's a two way street. It's not worse. Well, it's it's, there's a 25 way street. It isn't, it isn't about my, just about my input. It's about what they need as well. And, mm. and it's a really good start to the day. I always can tell, um, where people are as well. So I might know from that point who needs a little bit okay. more love, who might need a bit more support that day. And and also depending on the item that they've raised, if you know, we we all might need to come together as a team anyway. If it's mm. if it's something that
0: you know involves stuffing some envelopes, I'll get that sweatshop open. So, I mean, that's the the typical part of the morning. Yeah. So carry on in the rest of the day, the typical day. Yeah. So my my ethos
1: as the director of Burlington Estates is that every leader of the business. Must have a portfolio, and, okay. that, and that isn't me being cheap. Um, that is to ensure that we are leading by example, mm-hmm. uh, that we're setting the tone, and that you have a blueprint of what is what looks like good management. What does what are the facilities doing on that site? How does that look? And so you can say to your your younger guys or some people that are struggling or people that are still learning, they're on the you know they're on the learning development ladder. This is what good looks like. Okay. And only the leaders of the business will 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 be able to really deliver that. Well, I say that there are some some kids in my in my company that are exceptional. Okay. Um but that's 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 so that's the business model for me. That's how I run the business. And I have a portfolio. I, as as the director of the business I'm still managing three sites. Um mixed use uh, multi tenure sites pretty demanding clients that i actually wouldn't wish on anybody else so i keep them close (laughs) keep them to myself (laughs) um it will consist of me doing some of that so i'll I'll have to do some some admin whether it be speaking to my contractors being on site i'm i'm managing as as any other fm pm em would be leading by example ensuring that that jobs get get done so Mm. there's a bit of that in the morning um, I always have some time for new business during the day. So, okay. Yeah, um, I have a team of um, new business people as well, but I'll... they're separate from those portfolio people.
0: No. Oh, okay. They're within it.
1: Yeah. Okay. And that, that's the other thing. I mean, leaders of the business and anybody else, you need to know what's going on in the industry. Mm. I can't have you, some satellite person that only airlifts in when they when they fancy it. Right. You need to live and breathe. Um, th- what's going on and you know and actually as 23rd of january shows you
0: legislation is changing all the time very much so you need to be on you know on the money on the money absolutely so what would you say to um someone uh, by way of advice um bearing in mind that obviously you've got younger members of your team and you know good uh, also, some people that have been there some time, so what would you say by way of advice um, for someone who is starting their career off in facilities management
1: do it absolutely don't okay. don't hesitate it's a but how would they start it's a rewarding it 's a rewarding career um, there are there are several avenues in um one plug that I think probably would be a good point as you're asking is I sit on a board with um, a gentleman called Dominic Rossi, the owner of PMR and Verto. Okay. The board is called DEMA, Development Estate Manager Association. So a little bit like IRPM, but not just for property managers. This is specifically for estate um fm managers we we have not launched yet but we've been working on this project for three years okay we've just finished a while yeah well there's a lot there's a lot to there's a lot that's gone into this so okay it's a platform of learning and development um, but it's also an accreditation um and it's an mvq so there's a this isn't something that we could have Pulled out in a couple of months. No, We've of been working not. on this for
0: a long time. I was time, being right? rather flippant there, um, <laughs> but uh, so a, no, a, I like the flippant. But, pl-
1: but it, it has been—it's been a labour of love, if I'm honest with you. I mean, I've been there from the beginning as one of the founding directors with Dominic. We have uh, three other industry professionals as well that that are FM slash EM. What else have we got? Um, another FM. Yeah it's 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 an opportunity for some real structured learning development and then at the end of that an accreditation and, through NDK.
0: So if when would that be if our listeners were interested in that? Yeah. When would that be launched? We're hoping to launch
1: by the end of this year. Okay. We we're backed by Armor. So it'll be okay. it'll be a com, an Armor conference at yeah. some point this year. We have just recently finalised all of our um, uh, all of our learning and development platform, i.e., I mean the, the standard operating procedures. It's as, yeah, massive, huge, and we've gone right through from you know your, your bones of your FM, i.e., your your maintenance, your PPM, when that should be done, equipment pieces of kit right through to section 20 consultation so we're not not missing anything out it's a huge piece of work huge piece of Mm. legislative um, work in there as well we're not we don't want to we didn't want to over we actually um approached irpm in in the in the beginning of this three years ago and they said no okay they almost laughed at us and we were like look the the problem is there is no route in for someone that's coming in from the facilities the estate side there is no route root in yeah there are some qualifications out there mm. but nothing really that that the IRPM have done for property managers as an example as as a you know
0: so you feel this is giving something back hugely yeah and do you know what the
1: the gentleman that has um that put all of our training uh, learning development material together um wow he has spent five months solidly writing this
0: and the reason who's funding it then pmr okay
1: yeah and the reason why he agreed to it because he's actually retired we he was a he was a director for cushman and wakefield a patroness director the reason why he agreed to do this apart from obviously i begged him and promised him cash was that he believed, as do I, as is Dominic, as does the rest of the board, that this is for the greater good. When I first came into... Um,
0: sorry, and Dominic is part of Burlington Estates? No, Dominic owns PMR. Oh, okay, sorry, I got you. Okay, he owns, right. And Thank you. So my, my real
1: passion for um, creating, you know, creating a platform and an accreditation for people on the other side there's always this divide between, there has been historically this divide between people that work on site and people that don't yeah um is that when i when I first became an estate manager um for for Barclay homes i went into i i was sort of dragged into this office um that I'd be spending i didn't know at that point the next four years in and I just had a an entire wall of O and M
0: manuals, operation, and, and then and, maintenance and then what? Shackled to the desk or something yeah. like
1: that. <laughs> I just fed dry bread and water. <laughs> Do you know what? I swear to God, I didn't even know what O and M stood for at that point. I was still completely green, and <clears throat> I remember phoning constantly. I mean, I was I probably like a serial moaner at R and R, but I I remember phoning up at Catherine Reber and saying, I don't I don't really know what any of this means it's just like oh, don't worry you know we're going to support you on it but because i was in stanmore no one bloody came to see me so mm. i didn't i didn't have that level of support actually what mm. i did have was a really supportive client and that's why i ended up with this this long barclay relationship okay. actually i i um i was really i mean the the investment from mike mcgyver at the time um mm. i think it was operations director who was based on my site because it was it was phased it was still being developed and this was his site he was incredible he um he'd call me every day and this was a an ex-military guy quite scary and reputational stand of attention yeah <laughs> and his reputation at barclays was scary i mean mm. he was he was one of those barclays guys that would would shout shout at people but he was brilliant with me he'd, he'd call me every day he'd if he was on site he'd come in and we'd have you know, it, it talked me through o and, o and, Ms and the extraction of H and S and all of that stuff. Like, I just, I just wouldn't have, I just wouldn't be sitting here without Mike MacGyver.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that because we, I think we we interviewed um, someone fairly recently that came through via uh, a military background, but actually was a very much a people person as well. Um, so, I mean, it's interesting that uh, that that you mentioned that. Just moving on a little bit here is that what um, do you think um, is the next big thing in procurement or facilities management services that suppliers like us, for example, need to look out for?
1: I, I mean, the big, the hot potato at the moment across the industry, in whichever part yours. St- you know, windmilling in from is um, building safety. Okay. I I just, I can't stress it enough. I mean, and as a managing agent, um, the responsible person and what has come down from recent legislation on the 23rd of January of this year and what's coming down in the future, everybody needs to be on top of this because everybody is responsible,
0: and this more this is more on the residential facilities management side as a no, result of the Grenfell no. situation. I mean, Grenfell is is That's I mean, part part of sparked. the act
1: is actually named after the mm. the, the incident, so we, we're not getting
0: away from it. But no, I mean, it's it's right right across FM. Okay, okay, and. Um, Another sort of question I've asked people is that with the advent of obviously since COVID and the online, um, the, the advent of online meetings with either Team or Zoom, do you feel that this has affected the way that uh, the way strong partnerships with suppliers can be fostered?
1: I would say yes for at the time, but as a business, um, Burlington Estates and my parent company Dexter's. Uh, we are first of all, first of all, most operational. We're on site. We're, doing, you know, we're with our contractors, people facing very much so, um, and also from Dex's perspective. I mean, you have it's really difficult to sell a flat or rent a flat without you actually showing people around. So I get it from their perspective, but from our, our perspective too, we're, it is a very, it is very much a human environment.
0: Okay, but do you have sort of teams meetings with your team that are out and about? Because they in you know, the hybrid work working or whatever. Or do you prefer them to come in? We have we do not have a
1: working from home policy at Burlington Estates.
0: Oh, is that because you don't trust them or is it <laughs> ah,
1: No, I I trust them implicitly. I just it's an operational business. Facilities management is an operational business. You can't you can't FM from behind a computer generally. You you need to be there in you know in the in the gubbins of it all. And I think it's really important, going back to your point on relationships, to be able to see people, to you know, to see, suss them, suss the body language out yeah. properly, uh, to have a proper conversation and build a relationship. I think you need to you need to be. In the same and you room. and
0: you do that with your suppliers as well, your supply chain, or do you insist on give us a call and that's it?
1: Um,
0: there is a mix of both, but I mean. It,
1: a call will always be first, anyway. Okay. We don't. We're not just firing out emails left, right, and centre. An email should be as per our conversation. Correct. And then, and then everything after that is, yeah, is a meeting, is a coffee, is
0: it might be a beer. Okay, that's good to know. Um, <laughs> how um, important are um, EDI, uh, equality, diversity, uh, inclusion issues? Affecting today's procurement, FM procurement decisions. Interesting question. Um,
1: well, as a person speaking from a minority group, um, I'm probably mildly biased. Um, I think I think there are going to be. Yeah, I think it's a difficult question for me to answer.
0: Okay, but if, for example, in your team, would you um, go out there and ensure that within your team you've got all the tick boxes? I would make sure that my team can
1: do the job and come with the right attitude. First and 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 foremost. And if they happen to be gay or a person of colour or a person that is transgender, that is not part of the interview process that is not what we're about as a company um, and actually I'll, i would safely say from my experience with Dexter as the parent company they're very much in the same ilk
0: okay um, how important are sustainability sustainability issues with suppliers that you work with um good question very
1: i'd say it's important we we take esg experience very seriously at Burlington Estates, I have a sustainability lead in the company. That his degree at university was ESG. Okay, um, tree hugger, or you know, just really genuinely behind it? No, really behind it. I Great. mean, I, I can't imagine Charles hugging a tree unless he was completely off his face, and I can't imagine that either because he's just a kid. So I don't think so. I think I think he really believes in you know in making a better world for people that are living in it now and potentially you know in the future. Um from a supply chain perspective, yeah. We there's a there's a whole ESG piece that we're building at, at Burlington Estates. And what I would say is um a big piece of our relaunch, which is going to happen in Q3 of this year, will be based around um being more sustainable and actually promoting that as a managed agent, which is pretty difficult because it's not our money. We're not Grosvenor Estates. We can't spend a load of cash without it being fair and reasonable and yeah. having a real reason to actually spend the cash. But what we can do is say, look, this, and with Charles' help as, as our ESG sustainability manager, this is what your estate could achieve in said time okay this is this is actually where and from a cost perspective this is how we can reduce costs from us you know and be sustainable so we're sort of going to try and market it from from that perspective from a supply chain perspective we would we'd be looking at companies that are more sustainable that are aligned with our own esg beliefs and that could be anything from um driving electric cars to having an having a policy that is is robust and you're actually trying to
0: you know act upon it okay thank you for that um christopher i always ask everybody this question um what is your biggest regret in your career to date just the one <laughs> I, i'm happy to have some bullet points <laughs> um
1: the thing is Regret is regret is a really strong word, and I think I reserve it for really bad stuff that I've done. I'm not there's no no admission to any guilt there. But what I would say is um, the decisions that I made in you know in your career. I'm if talking we're about. talking about FM, exactly, um, the decisions that I made have have had some in some way positive impact or um, brought about change or I've learned and developed from. So regret, no. Could I have done things differently? So much. Okay. Yeah. For example? Um, I, I'm pretty good at, gen- I'm not blowing smoke up my backside, I'm pretty good at identifying when I've done something wrong and making it right. I think that is, if I've got no other qualities, that's the one that I'd be most proud of anyway. Um and I've made a few bad decisions over the years, for sure. I've done some things that I could have that could have been different. And I think such as? Well, Battersea Power Station. Yeah, I was
0: going to ask you about that, of course. Yeah. Battersea Power Station. Um I think I think there was obviously I mean, I'm only looking at it from outside. The box, as it were, but I think there was a situation where, obviously, you went into that particular role, but then something things happened and stuff, and whereby you needed time out to reevaluate and you know reset the start button. Absolutely. Maybe I'm right. I don't know. I'm no, not you sure are. You either. are. I mean,
1: six months out of work when well, I'd never, I'd never. You but know, in I'd, Las
0: Vegas was probably quite nice. <laughs> we, what, what happens in Vegas <laughs> stays
1: in Vegas. <laughs> I am. Yeah. We'll yeah. we have
0: another separate podcast for that one.
1: <laughs> the Vegas Diaries. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. Uh, I'd say, yeah, there was. I'd spent a, I'd spent a long time at r and a very happy time at R&R. You know, of course, there were moans. I moaned a lot in the early days, which is part of why I'm passionate about DEMA and helping people on that side of the fence to be able to learn and develop and mm. progress. Um, of course, in moaning then. I did a lot of moaning. I did. I did a lot of moaning. Catherine Reaver, Richard Darvin, D- Duncan, Matt, they'll they'll tell you I was chief chief whip when it came to moaning. But it was it was for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, we we changed things. And actually going from um R and R to Dema or working with DEMA in the later years, part of why I was approached by um Dominic Rossi was because I'd um written with what one of my uh, colleagues in operations I'd written an SOP manual okay. Um, uh, it was more than 400 pages I think 35 SOPs of associated documentation and the, the only other product that was out there at the time was something from um, trying to think of the managing agent it was an internal it was an internal document by one of our competitors uh, might have had a little peek at some of those pages uh, so it's probably best that I don't mention the managing agent, even though I can't remember what their names were anyway. But it was it was this robust document. It took us about a year to produce from start to finish. Um, it went through as as you can probably imagine, in, from R and R's you know perspective. It went through director after director after board after board after board before we got final approval on it. And then it was down to myself and my colleague Amanda Jones. To then roll that out, and we rolled that out to over a thousand colleagues across the business, right across the country as well, up and okay. down the country.
0: So, I mean, that's interesting because it actually brings me on to the next question, um, which is, um, what is your greatest achievement in your career to date? I mean, obviously, that 100 page document is probably sits up there 400, so, 400, yeah, sorry, and um, with uh, 35 SOPs in there as well. So, I am so proud of this project,
1: I am, and it was. Um, I think we del- I finalised the delivery of it just before I left R&R. So that would have been in 2016, 15, whenever I left. Um, and then obviously off to um, Batsy Power Station. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I left on this massive highway. We'd had this incredible – we'd, 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 we'd produced this incredible product and we were – we were training this out. Sometimes the training venue we had Lockton's, which was the back of us in the mineries mm. in in the city. We used their their um their you know the big conference centre. It was amazing. And sometimes I'd be presenting to one hundred and fifty people, and there was this you know this this grow Cockney East End person that had come from from nothing and was standing in front of all of these people. I was really proud of that moment. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yes. Um I think that 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 was obviously a real one of your greatest achievements. Were there, were there any others, Christopher? My greatest hits. Yeah. <laughs> well, singer-songwriter. So <you're> <laughs> <laughs> I think yes,
1: there's there's been plenty. I mean, Deemer I'm, I'm hugely hugely proud of. I mean,
0: that's obviously still ongoing. Yeah. So it's obviously going to be your um I swan think, song. I think it's a- um to the uh uh, Swan, so I'm, I'm barely
1: out of my teens. <laughs> um, I would say, yeah. I mean, the SOP project that you know that. But you I'm didn't so get to keep of. that,
0: though, did you?
1: I did not get to keep it. I still uh, see it on the shelves of of estates because every okay. every mandate estate has to have one R and R, and if it's an unmanned estate, the PM has to have one on their desk. So it is is it's a full everything anything. SOP-related RR
0: site or head office is in that manual. Okay. Um, finally, um, what in uh, what things in life it could be work or leisure gives you the greatest satisfaction and enjoyment? I I'm an avid writer. Yeah, I write a lot. I write other than 400 pages of SOPs. <laughs> <O. S>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I write constantly. Okay. Um, that brings me a lot of joy. I have um, I have a good, strong circle of friends. I spend quite a bit of time with them when I'm not when I'm not working. Um, I trained before um, going into aviation as a singer. I'm a, okay, I'm a I'm a musician. So music. What do you play? So I play a bit of piano. Okay. My father is a guitarist, so I should have been one of those and i've had about i think he's bought bought me quite a few over the years as a kid and they were always just hanging on the wall or g- gathering dust because i was never really that interested but um at drama school i majored as a as a vocalist yeah
0: okay and obviously at battersea you could have done your pink floyd number couldn't you, as well
1: <laughs> i could have done actually do you know what the thing is i was poached i just want to i just want to I was sort of headhunted for Battersea Power Station, and I went through the the most rigorous um, interview process. I think I interviewed four or five times, and mm-hmm. it wasn't just me and a friend or me and someone. It was a panel of people, um, and yeah. So I know we have gone back to it a few times. I'll probably need to speak to my therapist about it on Saturday. But I, um, it was it it was a strange sort of jolt in the middle of a very successful, at the time, mm. career.
0: yeah. Well, thank you very much for that, uh, Christopher. Um, ending on a high note. Ending on a high note. That, uh, on a high <laughs> note. Um, that, that brings us the um, to the end of our um, episode of Wear Many Hats, and uh, I, I think we've we found it uh, both interesting to listen to, and we'd like to thank you, Christopher, for taking the chair today. Um, it has been both uh, f- thought-provoking, engaging, Um, And we welcome our listeners' uh, support and uh, any feedback from them. Thank you once again, Christopher. Much appreciated.
1: Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Appreciate it.